today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantan. Here's the truth. God sees all, and we don't wear a Christian suit in front of Him. We don't stay on God's path. We do lean on our own understanding. We are wise in our eyes. We dabble with sin. We toy with it. We don't honor God in every area. We don't embrace God's efforts to help us and correct us. And so the shalom should be forever outside of our reach. And yet here is the good news. There was like a thousand years from the writing of this proverb, a man who stayed on the path. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace and for good reason. Jesus is the only person who can bring peace and joy into our lives. Today, Pastor Ricky will be reminding us of all those things we tried filling up our souls with in order to obtain a sense of peace and rest, and how Jesus satisfied our longing by his presence. The Holy Spirit brings love, joy, and peace to the children of God. As we abide in Jesus the vine, we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. Now, here's Pastor Ricky with part two of his message entitled, God's Path, The Path to Peace. The wayward prince is some sort of Hollywood big shot, and the world is his oyster. But will he find the pearl? He looks for it everywhere. He searches for it in spiritual mysticism, variously attending tarot readings and Zen spaces and Japanese rock gardens. He searches for it in contemporary art and in suffering, in pool parties at the standard. And most vividly, he searches for it in women, a lot of them. But the irony, the review says, it never makes any progress toward true peace. The reviewer concludes this way. The character is in a dream world, half asleep, making no progress on his spiritual quest because the beauty that should be pointing him higher is instead luring him deeper into idolatry. That reviewer absolutely nails it. He's in a dream world making no progress to peace because the beauty he sees that should be calling him out of his life to look above himself is only luring him deeper and deeper into setting his peace and happiness on idols, on things that cannot truly fulfill him. But isn't that, could that be the film made of any of our lives? A string of, maybe, maybe we're not Hollywood big shots, but in our own way, we're looking for peace and happiness here and there. The common thread, though, is that we're doing it our way, but it doesn't negate the fact that we're all trying to get to this shalom. That there's something in our hearts that when we read these verses, long for that, right? So how do we get there? Section two, the path of God. The peace of God and the path of God. See, the core commandment that all the other commandments hinge on is verse five. This is the longest exhortation. This is kind of the the center of these exhortations. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So let's break this down. First, trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
See, in Hebrew literature, the heart is kind of the, the seat of the will and the emotions and the desires. And so you direct all your emotions and your will and your desires to completely and totally trust in God. Have you ever thought about the fact that every act of obedience to God requires you to trust God? See, every act of obedience is you saying, okay, there's some paths here. God's path is this path. So I will not commit adultery. I'm going to stay faithful, right? Or this, here's the paths. I'm filing my taxes or whatever. I'm going to just not mention these things. Or I could honor the governing authorities, trust the Lord's going to provide financially. And see, in order for you to do that, you have to trust God. And many times we're called to trust God when we don't see how it's going to work out. When obeying God doesn't immediately seem like it will lead to shalom, but to disaster, right? Every act of obedience is an act of trust. The trust requires you to say, listen, this path seems like it would bring me fullness and peace and abundance and shalom, but it won't. I'm going to follow God's path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. But second, do not lean on your own understanding. There's this conscious rejection of our own way, of our own understanding. So trusting, listen, trusting in God fully requires you to reject trusting yourself fully. You can't do both. You can't fully trust the Lord often and fully trust yourself. Like, like, and I'm, when I say yourself, I mean kind of your sinful desires and inclinations. You can kind of fake it and try to half trust, which isn't really trust at all. But trusting in God fully requires you to reject thinking you know the best way to go. And listen, if you think, okay, why is he really emphasizing this? Because uh, the third encouragement is in all your ways, acknowledge him. See, he's saying almost the same thing three different ways. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Reject your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Why does he keep doing this? Remember, he's a father talking to a young son between the ages of probably 12 to 30. Does anybody in that category not hear things the first time? Right? If you ever talk to a teenager and you explain it one way and they're just, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting the second way. I'm still not getting it third way. Maybe somewhere in the fifth or sixth way, they're like, oh. So you're saying if I study, I'll do better on the test. No, I'm kidding. Right? But listen, this is in our Bibles because the Lord knows something about us. Right? The Lord knows that we need to hear this, not just once, not just twice, three times. In all your ways, acknowledge him. It means in every area of your life. Acknowledge God means that you submit yourself to God. You trust him enough to obey. You say, I'm not going to rely on myself. And in every area you say, listen, I submit myself to you. This is radical in our culture, church. If you want true shalom, here is how Proverbs says you get there. You completely and totally trust and follow the God of shalom instead of yourself. And and not only do you do it mentally or kind of half-heartedly, you do it with your heart and with your soul, with your checkbook and with your work, with your marriage and with your parenting. And you, you might think this, look, if you're paying attention, you might think, look, you're telling me to do this, 
maybe in this area of my life, that God's word says to do this, but I know something. I know that completely trusting God and following him might mean that I don't get that desire or that one dream that I have. There should be a fork in the road when we, when we understand this passage. On one side of the road is the path of self trust because in our modern world again the way to get true peace is by truing pursuing your own path by going on this journey of self-discovery and self-created more morality we say things like we say things like this to each other right no one can tell you what will make you happy but you need to find it you need to pursue it you don't let anyone stop you right i see these messages like all the time online like don't let anyone tell you how you should live your life you find what makes you happy and you go for it right To some extent, like, okay, I get what they're saying. But like on a core level of our souls, that's terrible advice according to the book of Proverbs. See, the the song that became popularized as My Way, that Frank Sinatra sang, was originally written in French. And ironically, the writer of the song never got to see how popular the song became. You know why? Because... He had, probably on drugs, the brilliant idea of changing a light bulb while he was in a bath. And he didn't make it. Now, that's kind of shocking, right? Like, that's, like, pun intended. Sorry. Um, Sorry. It's because I'm becoming, after a few years, I'm actually starting to use pastor jokes that I never thought that I would use when I first began ministry. But it was too good. Now, look, you think, okay, who does that? Who thinks it's a great idea? I'm in the bath. There's a light bulb. You know what? I should change that. Friends, we are all like people in a bathtub convinced that what we most need to do is change that light bulb when we do not see that it only leads to death. See, we're convinced that pursuing this thing, okay, this relationship with this girl or this guy in this way is the only way that I'm ever going to find peace. And if you're telling me that God's word says something different, you don't have my best interest at heart. You don't, you don't understand that if I don't do this, if I don't take this chance, if I don't pursue it right now in this way, I'm never going to be happy. And what God is saying is, If we could see ourselves from the outside, it would appear as foolish as standing up to change a a light bulb in the bath. Everyone could see this is not going to end well. And the the writer of Proverbs can see his son and can see him going in some paths. And and he's saying, son, if you go down these paths, it's not going to end well. You think that your happiness is behind this door, but it's only death. You have to take God's path to God's peace. You, you can't blaze your own trail of self-discovery and self-imposed morality and yet still arrive at God's peace. Why? Because it is God's peace. God's shalom created by him and yet offered to us. This shalom has God as its center. And if we try to find shalom without God at the center, we will never find true shalom. See, this is the surprising thing the Bible tells us. You make God the center of your pursuit, not just because of the things he brings you, but because God himself is shalom. Psalm 73 says this, there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. See, trusting in the Lord with all your heart, not leaning on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledging him, comes from a heart of saying, 
there is nothing on this earth that I want more than you, Jesus. So when you think about that relationship and you see the doors laid out, you may not be able to see where those paths end, but you can see this. Behind one of those paths is more of God. And so that's the road you walk down. And the surprising, counterintuitive truth of the Bible is that when we seek to find our shalom in God himself, we end up finding so many of the other things that we tried to find apart from him. See, A.W. Tozer makes a great comment here. He says this, pseudo-faith always arranges a way out to serve God in case God fails it. Pseudo-faith, like half-hearted faith, always arranges like a way out in case God fails it. But real faith knows only one way and gladly allows itself to be stripped of any second way and makeshift substitutes. For true faith, it is either God or total collapse. And he ends with this encouragement. And not since Adam stood up on the earth has God failed a single man or woman who trusted in him. See, this is a hard call, but a glorious call. The hard call is this. You can't half-heartedly go, well, I'm going to, listen, there's like two paths, God's path and my path. And I'm going to see if I can like skirt the difference, right? If I can like half-heartedly trust God and get kind of dragged the thing that I want with me. In all your ways, acknowledging him, trusting in him with all of your heart means going, okay, either this is going to end in glory or total disaster, Right? Either this thing is so counterintuitive that behind this door doesn't seem like there's shalom, but God says there is, so I'm going to follow him. Or disaster. That's what this passage is calling us to do. See, we often think we can't trust God completely with our relationships, so we we half-heartedly pursue it. But true trust means God or total collapse. Let me ask you a question this morning. What do you think will bring you shalom? And not, listen, I'm not asking for like your church answer. I'm not asking for the answer you would give necessarily if you were in community group and people were saying, oh, what are the things that, you know, we think are bring us shalom? What is the thing in your heart of hearts that you think, if I don't get this, I will never be happy? What do you spend your time and money and mental energy on? What is that one thing that you think, if I had that, my life would be full? It would be abundant. It would be overflowing. But what is that thing? And is it what Proverbs says it should be? Briefly, I want to get into this. How do we pursue God and this shalom? We see the path to pursuing the shalom laid out in the commands that we referenced earlier. Verse 1 says, here's how you do it. Don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. In other words, we don't cast God's commandments aside. We actively remember. We actively obey. And following these commands leads to shalom and long life, right? If you live life the way God has designed, the general rule is that you're going to flourish to some degree in that design. More than if you, for example, pursue a life of reckless alcoholism and illicit sex with whoever. That life may not last as long, but God's peace of fidelity and hard work and chastity, right? It just, God's path, even practically, on a human level, leads to flourishing. Verse 3 Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. And these words, steadfast love and faithfulness, are 
references to the character of God in Exodus 34, 6. God is said to have steadfast love and faithfulness. In other words, it's saying the character of God, you bind that to yourself. You live that character of God in every area of your life. And when this happens, you're going to have a good reputation with those around you because your character will be compelling and God will delight in it. Verse 9 starts to get uncomfortable though. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Now, maybe you, when I read through that, you were like, please don't circle back around to verse 9, right? That's the way my heart goes. It's like, let's, I'm all about like the heart stuff when it comes to like telling me how I should budget. Whoa, right? But this is what Proverbs says. If God is at the center of everything, he'll be at the center of our budgets, right? This term first fruits means that the, the first stuff to come out of the ground at harvest, the first crops. And here's the crazy thing about giving your first fruits. You don't know how many fruits you're going to get, right? It might be a really lean year. So you don't know if you're offering up like 2% of your crops or 20% or 50%, or maybe it's a terrible year. And you're like, this may be all we get out of the ground. But, but the heart is, okay, I'm going to offer the Lord the, the first of what I get. It means that God controls your budget from the beginning. He doesn't just get kind of the leftovers. And I'm not even just talking only about like giving the charitable causes. I'm talking about letting God set the priorities for what you spend money on. But when you do this, one of the truths is this, that your barn, that God provides abundantly, that your barns are filled, that when you're using your wealth to honor the Lord and bless others as God intended, God will give you more to honor him with and bless others with. It's not as though you look at a full barn and you think, look at my barn. Isn't that awesome? What I did, what should I do with it now? It's a heart that says, perfect. I know exactly what to do with this. I'm going to do with this abundance, exactly what I did with the first fruits. Use it to advance the mission of God for his glory. Verse 11 is there because we may not be uncomfortable enough. Do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his rebuke. I, I just love that the dad goes there, right? He's just like, yeah, I'm going to just go for it. This word discipline has a range of meaning from correction and rebuke to training. And, and think about maybe your marriage as an example. There are always areas where God needs to correct us, to show us our sin, to help us turn, to be a better spouse, better husband or, or, or wife. Maybe there's a pattern of sinful anger you need to put away, a pattern of impatience. But maybe there are other areas where God just wants to grow you in. He just wants you to to grow in patience with your spouse. To grow in long-suffering and steadfast love. And the encouragement of the dad is to embrace where God is at work in you. The, The sins he's showing you to turn away from, embrace that work. The stuff he's training you in, embrace that work. Don't don't reject it or 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 think that it's wearisome. Why? Because God loves his children. And because he loves you, he wants, you to help, wants to help you look more like him. So he trains us. Now listen, this is not an easy path now, is it? Like the first point, everyone is like, yeah, let's get to that shalom. And then second half, it's like, okay, if that means like my money and like discipline and like, whoa. But this is the truth, brothers and sisters. This hard path that seems so hard leads to shalom. Now, one last point that we cannot leave without making very clear. Last section, section three, this path to peace runs through the cross. 
See, we have to acknowledge something right here, right now, in order for this passage to be good news for us. We don't stay on the path. We don't. If staying on the path is what's required to get the shalom of God, we do not stay on the path. We forget God's commands. We don't honor him with all we have. We don't have steadfast love all week, much less our whole lifetime. I, I remember one, one brother who, um, this was years ago in our church history, uh, was out um, kind of talking to some people in his neighborhood. There was some Christian project. I don't know what they were doing, maybe showing something. And the, the person at the door uh, became hostile. And, and this person's not here, so don't worry about it. But this person, the individual at the door became openly hostile and began personally insulting them. And so the brother responded, listen, bro, I can unzip this Christian suit and we can have a few words in your front yard right now if you want to. Right? Of course, like, Quickly, they're like, okay, listen, I, you know, I want to, I'm sorry. All we're trying to do is do this, et cetera, et cetera. But, but I thought, isn't that like, aren't those words inside of all of us somewhere? To some extent, we were like, like, zip, like, I'm going to church. Like, let's, like, let's have the kids. You know, normally we, we would say like, Timmy, get in the car. We'd say, Timmy, why don't you get in the car with your brother? Like, you know, and we all are aware that there is an us that's behind something in our lives, right? And if that us was exposed, well, others might think differently of us. If they knew our worst sins, our worst days, here's the truth. God sees all, and we don't wear a Christian suit in front of him. We don't stay on God's path. We do lean on our own understanding. We are wise in our eyes. We dabble with sin. We toy with it. We don't honor God in every area. We don't embrace God's efforts to help us and correct us. And so the shalom should be forever outside of our reach. And yet here is the good news. There was like a thousand years from the writing of this proverb, a man who stayed on the path. He did not just have God's character around his neck. He embodied it in his heart and his soul. He trusted God even to the point of death. He he kept every command every time and his name was Jesus and God was pleased with him and he deserved to be welcomed into God's shalom. But here's the amazing truth. On the cross... Jesus' path ended as if it were our path. Our path that should have ended in rejection, in wrath, and destruction, Jesus endured for us so that if we believe in him, we would receive the end of his path. Friends, he took the end of our path to give us the end of his path. Do you see what Jesus has done for you? Do you see the only hope for shalom today? Open God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. Open God, He's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Knowledge is acquiring facts and information about a given subject. Wisdom is the proper application of facts and information. You know, it's one thing to know about something. It's a whole other thing to be able to properly utilize that thing. We all want wisdom. Wisdom is this wonderful gift that allows us to carefully and safely navigate through this life. In this eight-part series entitled Wisdom for Life, 
Pastor Ricky will explore what the book of Proverbs has to say about wisdom. For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. Again, that email address is radio at betternewsradio.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, our phone number is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. We also encourage you to follow the Better News Radio Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook, again, at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio.